Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Christian. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Finally, we got this episode recorded. It's been a while. We're trying to get it, but I'll start very quickly with with a short introduction for our listeners who don't know you. Christian Brown is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Bluey, which essentially is an application-based platform that combines influencer search and discovery, relationship management, collaboration tools, and much more to help brands become mainstream. You've raised today around 9.5 million. Explain to an eight-year-old, what is Gluey? That's a great question. Sometimes I use the example of an eight-year-old. I say how I would describe it to my grandmother. Because, you know, funny enough, my grandmother's always like, well, you work all day and all night. And I see all the posts on Instagram, but I don't really know what's going on here. And so if an eight-year-old and my grandmother were sitting at a table, I would tell them that they both have iPhones, which is very nice. And they both have TVs and social media, which is even nicer. So I would say that Gluey is an iPhone application for influencers and creators that they can apply to be a part of. And if they meet our requirements and our criteria, they are admitted into our platform. Then they're a part of our community of influencers and creators, which is over 10,000 individuals all in the USA right now. Then they can browse in a feed, kind of like a social media feed, scrolling up and down, left and right, to see different brand deals. And if the creators qualify for the brand deal, they can apply to be a part of it, like they apply to a job. And then on the brand side, brands, businesses, companies of all sizes, different industries, etc., are on our platform launching campaigns. So they're going on and building these campaigns and saying, hey, I want to work with 10 to 50 female influencers on the west coast of america age 18 to 30 that are all in the fashion industry with a hundred thousand followers on tiktok or more and then those specific job listings go into our feed all of our users can see them apply to them the brands and creators chat directly through our applications all of the contracts get created and sent through the application when the creator makes content like let's say it's a new sunglass brand The sunglass brand will send the product to the creator all through our application. You get collect the address, you see it, you can sort it, you ship it, you put the shipping information into the Gluey platform, then it gets tracked. When the creator receives the product, they follow the instructions that the brand outlined in the app. They create the content. Maybe it says, hey, we want you to be on a beach and we want three photos, wearing the sunglasses, different style, all needs to be good lighting in the sun, etc. No other brands in the post. Keep it very fun and energetic. So once that content is created, the creators submit it through the platform. The brands approve it and then they post it to social media. Very interesting. So essentially you're matchmaker or a marketplace between brands and influencer with plenty of other tools that could you know, help both seal the deal. It's a chicken and egg problem. So how did you start? Did you start with attracting first the brands or the influencers? And what was your value proposition? Because it's hard at the beginning to convince either of both parties to join. So if I could take you back 
about two years or so and bring you into our first ever office that was six feet by six feet. And it was my best friend Dylan, our founder, and I. We sat back to back because it was the only way we could fit in the room together. We had a piece of paper that was on both of our desks. And it was a just a little pen we drew on the paper. And it was a chicken and an egg. And so it's so funny that you said that because we have asked ourselves this from the days of the sticky note and our first MVP and our initial go-to-market strategy. It was what's going to happen, the chicken or the egg. And so the way the reality was is if we break it down and we look at our origin, who we are as at the time, I had just turned 22, Dylan was 21, and we had met in Los Angeles forever ago. And he came back and was like, hey, like, let's build a platform that is going to revolutionize what's going on in this space. And it's going to open the door for this connection piece. And so we looked at it and we had had many years at that point, all through university and before that, working with influencers all over the country and world even, and friends of ours that had grown massive followings, et cetera. And so we said, well, we understand that space very natively. And we know basically enough creators in our friend groups to get 500 users. So we're like, where are we going to start? Well, we know brands because we have agency experience and different internships and projects of that caliber. But we said, let's get the app off the ground. Let's get creators onboarded and let's just go to market with that. And then let's get brands on board. And so it was pretty evergreen at first. Like we wrote down everybody we knew, everyone that wanted to be on a platform like this that we knew we could pitch. We basically pitched it friend to friend, peer to peer. We say, hey, will you please join this? You know, we have this project that we've been working very hard on. We need a foundation base of users, et cetera. And so that got us in the door with like that first foundation layer of creators. And then from there, we looked at it. We said, well, how are we going to scale this up? And so that's where we got into many more fun, evergreen kind of out of the box ideas. And we were so young and marketing was so such a wide, vast space for us that we're like, well, how do we as a very small team tackle this? And so to answer the original question, chicken or the egg, chicken being the creators in a very special way, because that's how we looked at it was like the creators and the community we're building is the end goal for us is to have that and to foster and harness it. And so we're like, let's tackle that. Let's learn immensely from the creators we know, creators we want to onboard. Let's learn what they want, they need, and let's continue building that. And while we're doing that, we'll figure out the brand side of the equation. And so that was two years ago. And ever since we've had over like 40,000 creators download and apply. And of that, we've onboarded around 10,000 or so to and through the platform. Amazing. That's a huge number of creators in two years. Give us a couple of fun stories or tactical marketing uh, techniques you've deployed early on to land maybe the first hundred or a thousand or 5,000. Yeah, there's been so many. So like the way we looked at it is... We wanted to make sure that all of our spend is going in the right place. And so we knew what was harder for us. We knew it was harder to get brands on board. Brands needed live demos. They took tons of email sequences, flows, finding out where to target the brands, how to target them, how to set all these things up. And so we said, let's allocate our digital marketing spend to brands and let's forever be a organic creator growth model. And so from day one and still to this day, we have not paid in order to attract creators to our platform, like no traditional paid digital ads, which we find very fun because it increases the challenge for us and it allows us to organize that spend for brands. So going back to basics, well, back in the day, every and still to this day now, every single person that we knew that was working with brands had 
a contact email in their bio. And so what we did with that is we're like, let's approach it with like, let's do a sample size of 300 or 500. And so we sat there and put the headphones in and we just went on Instagram for hours a day, going to different pages, different people we knew, going into friends of friends, going into everyone in different social circles that we could think of. Basically thinking in our head, if we could go to a party right now and get a list of everyone at that party's Instagram, let's put that all on a sheet of paper. Then let's go into that sheet of paper, open an Excel document, grab their username, their display name, and the link in their bio or the contact email in their bio, and let's email them. And at first it was personalized. It was just straight up like, hey, we know so-and-so and so-and-so. We'd love to bring you onto our platform. And then people just started replying. Yeah, cool. I'd love to download. I'll do that. So like we did it so, so, so manually. I would just play music and I would just scroll, 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 type, 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 scroll, scroll, scroll. And we'd build these lists. And then what we would do with those lists is send out those personalized emails. Then we learned about email drip sequences. And then we even scaled that up because we saw it as a valuable and viable method. And for us, we're just inviting people onto a platform. And the value is that we're going to put in the work to get the brands on the platform. So the creators are going to get more brand deals. And they just need to basically tell us what they want in a better platform. And then we're going to bring that back to the drawing board, build the user stories and create that. So it was very manual at first. Then we scaled that up a little bit where we said, well, we know that we can do email drip campaigns and we know we can scale up the getting of the emails. And so with the use of a few other friends of ours, we had created some scraper systems that would go out and we could actually say, hey, we want to pull the information off of certain pages or certain follower pages of certain accounts. And we built this whole matrix out that with a couple easy scripts could start generating us thousands and thousands of emails. And then with that, we would be able to identify what kind of category those creators were a part of, whether it's fashion or beauty or lifestyle or sports and fitness or cooking, et cetera. So we would start segmenting that out. And then we created email drip sequence campaigns to those creators. And all of the copy, the writing in the emails was all specified per industry. And so now we were bulk sending out thousands and thousands of invitations to our platform over time. And that was just a very great strategy for us because it has worked for the long haul and it's still working today. And we see it as a very like personalized approach. Like, hey, you meet our criteria numerically. We'd love to have you onto our platform. Here's our value prop. Here's what we're going to do for you as a creator. Here's the data and the metrics and the analytics that you're going to get exclusively through us, through our application that don't exist out in the general social world. So we'd love to have you on and you know, we want to have you a part of our marketplace so the brands can see you, you can set your own rights, et cetera. And we've had great adoption of that. We've built and harnessed a community in such amazing ways over the last 24 months through methods like that and a few others. This is an amazing story because technically it shows your grit, your perseverance as you start, you're doing manual. And that requires, I think, patience because I believe the strategy yields a lot of people not responding. And sometimes oh, yeah. if you're if you're scrolling for hours, you send like a hundred emails, two hundred emails, you get two responses. I mean at the end of the day, would you give up or not? So it requires literally a lot of grit and perseverance. Very interestingly, you've automated that once you found out the right maybe playbook. Now on the brand side it becomes harder to automate. So how did you approach that? You've built a community of influencers now the next step is to get these brands to come in what was your strategy there 
It was very similar in a sense. So we also knew all the brands that were doing influencer marketing just because they're brands we've worked with in the past. They're brands our friends have worked with. We had a good enough network of knowledge there. And so we took that and what we did with it is we said, well, who are brands like these people? And then what we would do is we would find, let's say it's the greatest water bottle company. And the greatest water bottle company we know has worked with 100 influencers. Well, we're going to go online. We're going to do that manual research in the beginning and say, well, we want to find 100 water bottle companies like them. Maybe that follow them or that follow other influencers. And then what we're going to do is we're going to find what influencers on our platform either have worked with other water bottle companies and did well or would do great and actually be able to sell product if it was working with XYZ brand. From there, we would basically create additional sequences that would reach out to people. And so we then went on, we did a lot of time on LinkedIn. We found a lot of time just looking up different emails. We would find the influencer marketing manager, the social media manager, the director of marketing, and we just hunted down their emails. We got them offline and then we did the same thing on the brand side. But instead of saying, hey, download our app and apply, we would say, hey, we'd love to get on a call with you. And for 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to tell you exactly how we believe that our influencer marketing plan and software will elevate what you're doing. And at the time, we're now like about to be 23 years old, but we were 22 and people started responding and saying, yes, a bunch of brand marketers were like, yeah, I'd love to learn. And so at the time we were just in like the beginning of go to market phase with our MVP on our brand side. And I still to this day laugh because we hadn't had our UI UX designer on board yet. Like this is way before we had leveled up to that point. And so our MVP on the brand side, if we look at where we are now versus then, it looks like, you know, we look at it now and it's like a nice Ferrari. And then we look at the other one and it looks like it was a 1995, I don't know, Nissan Altima that my grandmother once drove or something. But it was my friends and I, and and we were just learning, what is a demo? How do we do a demo? What does that mean? And we basically just wrote the playbook. Okay, we're going to tell the brand that they can work with these creators. We're going to show them on our platform how they can do it. We're going to basically tell them that we're going to get a great campaign going and please politely ask them if they'll join our platform. And so we would do these live demos of the platform and we were so energetic and excited about it because like it was our baby. It was everything we love. And so I think that a lot of that tenacity and love for the game and love for what we were doing, it shined so much through that a lot of the different marketers, they were way older than us and they'd been in marketing at these companies for like five, 10 years. They're like, yeah, we actually don't have an influencer marketing platform. We want one. And clearly you guys are confident in this system and how it works. We're like, yeah, it's going to work perfectly. And so they'd say, all right, sign me up. And so we did that one after one after one after one. And we would have so many meetings where someone's like, oh, no, thank you. Thank you guys so much, but no, thank you. And we just wouldn't let it discourage us. We would say on to the next one, on to the next one. I would set them up in the mornings. Every 30 minutes, we'd have another call. And like I would get done with one. I'd take a deep breath into another call. And we were just telling the same story over and over, but kind of reiterating it so that we would tell the brands and prove to them, like, these creators do work for you. And I think that because we're so embedded in the space and we're so confident in influencer marketing and its ability to drive brand awareness, drive sales, expand reach, and do all these quantitative and qualitative lifts for brands, that we just kind of sold brands on that idea. And then as they came in, they were like, yeah, this is awesome. And even back in the beginning and to now, our greatest value prop has been that 
with this pre-vetted community we've created on both iOS for creators and web for brand, when a brand creates and launches a campaign, instantly every creator that qualifies gets a notification in the form of an email and push notification. And with that, creators will apply for the campaign in real time within five to 30 seconds. And so we would tell brands on the call, we'd say, once we onboarded them, say, all right, let's launch a campaign together. They launch it. We're like, all right, we're going to wait one minute. We're going to refresh. We're going to look at the notifications. We would refresh and there'd be five, 10 creators that already applied that meet their criteria. And for these brands, finding five to 10 qualified influencers used to take hours or days, or they didn't even know how to do it. They wouldn't know that there's an email in the bio to reach out to, to set up a deal with the manager. And we sped up that whole process. And so It was kind of just in the beginning, it was riding on faith and riding on like the truth and the love we had for what we were building and like never backing down. Even if 10 people tell you no in one day and one person tells you yes, like that one was all we went home and celebrated. And we were so happy about it because we knew we had to build it brick by brick every single day. And eventually we would get to a point that people would start coming to us wanting to buy. And so that shift has happened over time. But for the first year, It was the hardest work we could have ever done. And it was all manual. And it was just tiring for sure mentally because like we're trying to get like the tipping point. And then we just started moving and grooving. So to answer the original, it goes back to that manual process all the way through and just having faith in it. That's a great story. What is an acquisition strategy that you've uh, early on tried but did not work? And in hindsight now, if you were to go back, you wouldn't try it again. Hmm. Trying to think. So on the brand side, we tested out all different forms of social. And so we really thought that LinkedIn was going to be a big one for us and where we're at. And a lot of people in the startup space can or will be able to one day understand this, but things move quickly. And for us, when we invest in a specific area, especially under my area in marketing, Well, we put a serious emphasis on that. So every dollar that comes in, we watch it and we say, how many dollars can this get out? How many users can this get? What is that KPI we're measuring the dollar investment on? And so with that, we also want speed. If something's not returning and bringing in qualified brand applications, creator apps, demo forms, all of that in real time, we have to cut it. And so we spent a lot of time trying out middle funnel to bottom funnel LinkedIn ads And we haven't been able to hack it. We've been trying for quite a long time. We spent so much time, emphasis, and energy in that area. And though we are B2B, LinkedIn's B2B is a little different. And so I think that if we were to go back, we would have spent a little more time in other channels outside of LinkedIn. Although it sounded like the golden ticket. Okay, LinkedIn's B2B. Everyone on LinkedIn has jobs and is marketers, but we found that for us, organic LinkedIn was even better because we built our pages, we built the brand pages, and we just started telling our story on LinkedIn and the friends we've made and the connections we've made. We hang out with people in real life now that we met on LinkedIn all over the country. And so they have some seriously high average acquisition costs, which is good if your annual subscription is insanely high ticket price or you're doing an enterprise sale. But for us, We want high volume of brands transacting with our creators. We want them to join and feel comfortable and not have to spend seven different hours on demo calls and onboarding teams, et cetera. So to answer that, yeah, we probably would have held off on the paid LinkedIn and put more emphasis into our own personal and brand pages. But everything else on social has been great for us. 
Thank you for sharing this uh, story. I think we had the same issue as we were building our InsureTech. LinkedIn was an expensive channel mm -hmm. and the return is lower than expected. So we had to pivot as well. So it depends on the industry, the context, and as you said, the size of the ticket, because it's really a marketing channel that takes time. So you need to pour in more and more time and money into that. Amazing. One last question. What is a principle that you live by that has served you well in building Louis? Ooh, really good one. So back in the day, and preface here, I'm not a giant sports fan because I'm like a giant fan of so many other things and sports takes up a lot of time. But the amazing and great Kobe Bryant once said when he was asked about moving on to the next round of the playoffs, he had just finished a game that he did extraordinarily well and the team did really well. And a reporter asked, like, Kobe, you know, you guys are going to the playoffs. Like, why are, you know, he had kind of a straight face on. The reporter says, why are you, like, not excited? Why are you not all amped up? And he looks up and he, like, shrugs his shoulders. He's like, what's there to be excited about? Job finished? He goes, we didn't win the championship. Job's not finished. That was it. That was the whole interview. And so I think that we use that line a lot around here because, especially in building startups, you know, from the true ground up and from idea to ideation to implementation with a team. And like, no matter what, if you're going to be with a startup for an extended period of time, I know it sounds corny, but that team has to be your family. If you really are devoted, you're going to spend more time with them than literally spending time with your family or talking to your friends. And so for us, like our whole team, everyone we work with, like they just become our best friends and it's become like a ride or die situation for us. And I think principally, the idea that the job's never finished is something to really ride on and to understand the importance of because you can have a triumphant feat and a great win and an amazing week or an amazing day or your stats could be super up. But no matter what, in the startup game, you are always looking directly uphill, up mountain, I should say. There's always going to be another ginormous hill to climb and mountain to try to get to the top of. And once you get to that mountain, there's just more goals and achievements ahead. And so, yes, you know, we celebrate all of our wins and we identify if we're having down weeks or we're not performing to the greatest ability statistically. It's like, well, yeah, we identify what's going on there. And then when we do exceed, we just make sure that we identify what work that succeeded. And then we keep implementing that over and over to ensure that all of our work, if we're spending 10 hours a day working, we want all 10 hours to be the best spent so that the team feels confident and we are successful and everything is going right for us. And the only way to do that is to know that like the job's never finished until it's formally finished. And I don't know what that looks like or how that feels, but we're not there and we're always working to get there. So I think that, you know, it's a full devotion of life, right? If you want to go down this path and if you're ready for it, you're ready for it. And if you're not, then maybe startup isn't for you, but yeah, the job will never be finished. That's a great principle uh, and very insightful. The late Kobe Bryant had a lot of interesting principle when you dig into his interviews. Uh, I've launched recently a newsletter called Principles Friday, where I share one principle about life and business. And one of my recent newsletters that I released was about Kobe Bryant. And mm -hmm. his principle was rest at the end, not in the middle, which mm -hmm. ties a little bit to what you, you're uh, saying. So that's an interesting principle as well from the late Kobe Bryant. Christian, where can people find you and what's next for Gluey? 
So for myself, you can find me on LinkedIn if you just type in Christian Brown, and then you might have to type in Christian Brown Gluey, or you can go to our website at www.gluey.com. And for brand marketers, agency folks, anyone of that caliber, you can request either a demo or access to the platform as a brand through the website, which will bring you into our web application. If you are a creator, influencer joining the platform, you can download Gluey on either the Google Play or Apple App Store. And then from there, you can apply as a creator. And as far as what is next for Gluey, we have so many incredible feature sets and functionality coming out throughout the duration of this year. We've just launched a whole new enhanced suite of data, as well as looking towards Shopify integrations with ROI tracking capabilities, playing around with things in the realm of artificial intelligence, but more in a recommendation engine piece, and looking each and every day on how to expand on our current offerings making sure that our platform is seamless, it's speedy, it's efficient, it's user-friendly, and it's maximized for each and every user that joins the ecosystem. Amazing, Christian. We wish you the best of luck uh, with Gluey, and thank you for being part of our podcast. Yep. Thank you guys so much for having me. If anyone has any questions in regards to their first 100, feel free to reach out. I am an open book. I would love to help anyone and everyone that is looking to be devoted down the startup path. Amazing. Good luck. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.